following program is brought to you in living color on dailygazette.com or wherever you get your podcast. The Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. The next to last day of February, it's a leap year, and uh, Josh Algy joins me now. And it's seemed kind of weird. So we still have another day in February. <laughs> yeah, it does. So nice. Uh, one more day of practice before we get going. Too, yep. So. Uh, Union plays its final two games of the regular season this weekend when it visits Cordell on Friday and Colgate on Saturday. Both games start at 7 p.m. Barring any um, overtime games in the uh, women's uh, playoffs, because Cole and Aaron Colgate are both hosting uh, games this weekend in the quarterfinals of the ECAC Hockey Tournament. I will go ahead to the um, Union men's games in a little bit. And we'll also discuss the Mohawk Arena project that is a go now in our second segment. Uh, but first, let's look back at last weekend's uh, home games against Harvard and Dartmouth. Final regular season Messerink games. And let's begin with... Uh, uh, what turned out to be a magical night on Friday against Harvard. Eight members of the Union's, uh, of Union's 24 National Championship team were honored. The current Union squad turned back the clock 10 years, parting like it's 2014 by cruising to its 6-2 victory over the Crimson. It was Union's first season sw- series sweep of Harvard since, you guessed it, the 23, uh, 2013-14 season. And the Garnet Chargers scored five second-period goals, which was the most a Union team has scored in a period since it tallied six against RPI in the 2015 uh, Mayor's Cup game. But first, let's talk about the chance being back and being recognized. Uh, Nick Cruz announced the starting lineups. Highlights of Union's run to the NCAA title were shown on the video board. Well, there was a slideshow of the parade, uh, the tour of the media, uh, a tour of the trophy that to the Capital Region media outlets, including a picture that was displayed of me. And I'm surprised the video board didn't uh, shut down when that was displayed. What was it like having them back? I, you know, I, th- I thought it was, um, you know, pretty cool. I I get to see a lot of the highlights. Um, you know, my my kids watch those videos um, over and over of what it was like for that 2014 season. So I feel like I. And I, I know every goal, and I've you know seen every goal, and just kind of live through it with with my boys. But um, to to be able to just you know meet those guys and, and get a feel for you know what their experience was like, and it, and it was short. Um, I'm looking forward to the summer when I can actually you know sit down with them and talk a little bit more. But uh, really appreciate the guys that were able to come back and just kind of you know get get a small glance of what it was like for them during their time. Yeah, I mean they showed the um, championship game uh, before the start of the uh, Union Harvard game, and I mean I had to stop there and watch a little bit and. For me, you know, having covered this team, and I, you know, it's, I'm supposed to be um, unbiased, but you still you get a little emotional watching because, uh, for me, having co- started covering this team when they went to, from Division Three to Division One, no athletic scholarships, really no help from the school, and you wondered if it was really worth going Division One, and you saw what happened as in the 2000s as the program progressed, and you know, eventually got to that title game and just that especially that first period against Minnesota with scoring those four goals the way they did uh, and then you know the, the big uh, play by Gosses Bear uh, you know it's making the slide stop and then you know ends up turning into a Kevin Sullivan goal and then Matt Bodie wraps it up with an empty netter so yeah it does bring a little you know, it was a little emotional watching that again and and for me personally having grown up in Philadelphia in uh, 40 years before that, uh, being a Flyers season ticket holder, being the Spectrum, and see the Flyers win the, their first Stanley Cup on May 19th, 1974 with my, uh, with my dad. And that's, 
That was a lot of emotions for me. So I mean, like you know, reporters don't have feelings; we do have feelings. So, but it, it was a lot of fun, and yeah, like I guess it was a lot of great to see them. Um, I mean, the thing that bugged me though, Josh, and, and maybe this is something you can't answer, but I think the event was, really wasn't properly pu- publicized. We had no idea who was coming back. We, you know, we were told to check the union's men's hockey social media channels for that. And there was nothing. I know some of the fans were, you know, wondering after I had written about it um, in my column. Uh, I mean, I only got to interview Matt Hatch and Nick Cruz at the pregame reception before I was politely asked to leave. I know that, as you mentioned, we're going to be a big event July 20th, the golf outing at Eagle Crest and the showing of the uh, 7-4 tunnel win over Minnesota on the uh, big screen at Mohawk Harbor that later that day. And I'll, and I'll probably comment about this on my podcast. What Do you think more could have been done to promote this? I, I, yeah, I think it's a it's a delicate thing. You you want to include everybody, and then you ha- so you have a lot of guys that are you know still playing and um, you know and just didn't have the ability to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same point, yeah, I think you can always you know do a little bit more. And and I you know you want to do as much as you can for these guys that that gave so much and um, you know did you know really it, it's an unbelievable accomplishment. It's it. it in in all of sport, I mean, what what they were able to do is it's up there with you know the miracle on ice and you know like things that you know people never thought could happen. So it's uh, it's definitely an accomplishment we want to celebrate and make sure those guys feel that their um, that their you know accomplishments are, are celebrated. But at the same point, you know, you talk about you know exactly where you were at you know or that moment, and there's a lot of people that that that's what that team meant to them. So. Um, it's disappointing to hear that maybe people didn't know exactly who was going to be there. We, you know, obviously we want to make sure that everybody, you know, gets to see their favorite player come back and share those memories again. I mean, they had a nice logo to which they could have put on the jerseys. I mean, they, I could have been there from the get-go of the season, but obviously they didn't really uh, didn't announce things till January, which happened to be you know, Jim McLaughlin, the athletic director, told me that was we were there for the uh, Union Football uh, John Droxa uh, announcement that he was going to become a head coach, but. Uh, well, that's another thing for another time. We'll worry about that later. I, I think we knew some of the players who wouldn't be there, like Shane Gotzer, Mike Vecchioni, uh, Matt Bodie, and um, uh, Dana Champini, because they were still they're still playing uh, professionally. So let's get back to the game. Uh, Union took a one nothing lead into the second period, and then goals by Colby MacArthur and Josh Nixon, fifteen seconds apart, early in the second, really set the tone. Uh, Tyler Watkins scored midway through the period, and then Nixon and Watkins scored 64 seconds apart late in the period to give you guys a comfortable six nothing lead. I mean, you guys had to feel good about that period. Yeah, no, I overall like it was it was you know real solid 40 minutes, but that 20 especially like just the way we were moving without the puck, um, you know, guys getting into space and then guys finding each other and just you know really holding onto the puck, protecting it, and and then making smart. Um, strong plays with it. It was it was impressive. Some of the some of the goals are, are highlight real goals, and it was just I mean up and down the lineup. You can't you can't say enough about the way the guys played. Yeah, Harvard did score a couple goals early in the third period. You called a timeout. What did you say to the team? I, I just said, hey, like you know, I it, it's hard. You're up six nothing, and you kind of know that the game is you know by all accounts over. But we got to finish the job and. Um, you know, we took our foot off the gas and um, just refocused them. And we talked about we talk about in the th- in the third period, just ma- uh, breaking the game down into five minute segments. And I said, hey, we got we got three five minute segments left. Let's let's lock this down. And that's exactly what the guys yep. did. That was a, like I say, a great win for Union. But then the next day against Dartmouth comes the mess rink, uh, Big Green. I mean, I've been saying all along this team has been a pesky team all season, and they proved that uh, Saturday by taking a five four victory. 
I mean, there are two crucial situations that went against Union in that game. The first came with 5.17 left in the second period. Uh, Union's Jacob Jeanette was called for cross-checking, and as the whistle was being blown, uh, Union's DJ Hart and Dartmouth's Sean Chisholm got tangled up, and Hart made contact to Chisholm's head. However, neither referee was going to call that penalty, and then Dartmouth head coach Reed Cashman was thinking about challenging it, and then a replay of the hit was shown on the video board, and that allowed Cashman to challenge, and the refs assessed a five-minute major in game misconduct to uh, Hart. Uh, Chisholm would score on a 4-1-3 power play to give Dartmouth a 3-1 lead. Uh, what did Cashman tell you after the game, and have you had a talk with the person responsible for making the decision on the replays on the video board? Um, yeah, he, yeah, Cash just kind of told me that, um, you know, for what it's worth, he wouldn't, wasn't going to challenge, but then they, they saw the replay up there, and that gave him enough information to, to go ahead and do that, and they had, um, you know, obviously had a little more information and could make that decision. Um, so it was frustrating, especially after a loss, and then you hear that. So um, obviously we can't we can't do that, and um, you'll have to learn from it and got to get that corrected. But then um, we we did have a, a, st- a staff meeting and just kind of went over about you know what the expectations are. If we're going to show penalties, then let's show every single penalty. If we're not going to show penalties, then don't show any, and um, you know until the, the play starts up again. And it seems like you know this season they've. We haven't done a great job with that. It's we've had a couple go against us, but I, I think it'll be corrected. And um, you know, again, we don't want to want to do anything unfair, but at the same point, we don't want to you know do something at home that's putting us at a disadvantage. Yeah, you, yeah, you want to have home ice advantage, not home ice disadvantage. So. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Union battled back. Uh, John Prokoff scored with three thirty-three left in the second, and then uh, Tyler Watkins scored twenty-one seconds into the third to tie it at three. And then Union has a chance to take the lead when Dartmouth's. Uh, Oscari Vuorio uh, was called for hooking at 2.33, but instead, uh, Prokoff thinking someone was behind him as he was starting to skate up the ice with the puck, slingshots it back. Unfortunately, no one was there. A scramble for the puck ensues, and then Dartmouth's defenseman, uh, C.J. Foley, ends up with it. He drives in that and roofs a backhander over goalie Kyle Chauvet at 3.31 to give Dartmouth a 4-3 lead. Uh, what happened on the, in that play? Was there a mis- miscommunication on that? Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, you know, it just kind of... Um, you know, we had a guy run a, run the wrong route on that, and um, you know, it ends up where we mismanage the puck, turn it over, and then we don't make contact on on Foley there, and he makes an unbelievable move, um, you know, or, or, to get open. and And credit to him, it's a great shot and great move. So, but yeah, a couple mistakes that we can't we can't make, and I uh, just didn't think we uh, pushed back as much as we needed to after that. Yeah, Luke Ames made it. A- Two goal game uh, for Dartmouth with two minutes under two minutes later, uh, Brandon Bear scores uh, with 3.5 seconds left for Union, but I mean, there wasn't much time to get that tying goal. So, I mean, how disappointing was that uh, loss? It, it's extremely disappointing. I thought um, you know you gave up 14 shots, and you now we we gave up high quality chances there, but you know 14 or 15 shots what they got, and um, you know to to lose that way is is not not the way we want to play and. Um, you know, we just gave up too many quality opportunities. We're going to take a break, uh, and after the break, we'll talk about this weekend's final regular season games at Cornell and Colgate, uh, the race for a first-round buy in the ECAC Hockey Tournament, and the news that Union will be playing in a new arena in 2025-26. Uh, You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. historic conference in college hockey. It's a battle night in and night out. ECAC Hockey, an iconic conference home to 12 of the most prestigious universities and programs in the world and showcasing the best student athletes in the sport. 
top-notch facilities and arenas, incomparable traditions, passionate fans, alumni who go on to become elite professionals, leaders, and champions. ECAC Hockey, there's no experience like it. Hi, I'm Daily Gazette news columnist Andrew Waite and host of the Weighing In podcast, which takes you inside my award-winning featured news column by offering the backstory, thought process, and interviews that inform my work. Plus, readers have their chance to respond. The Weighing In podcast is available at dailygazette.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google App Stores. Hi, this is Union College women's hockey head coach Josh Skiba. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Union men's head hockey coach Josh Halji joins me. Uh, let's look ahead to the final two games of the regular season and what it means in the race for a possible ECAC hockey tournament first round bye. Union takes on Cornell at 7 p.m. Friday at Lina Rink, followed by a visit to Colgate's Class of 1965 Arena at 7 p.m. on Saturday. Those times are you know flexible, flexible because um, the Cornell and Colgate women's teams are hosting ECAC hockey tournament quarterfinal games and. Gosh forbid we those games go overtime. I really could upset the apple cart there. I mean, do, are you prepared for that? Uh, it's something that we talk about with the guys just that, you know, this weekend that there there could be, um, you know, some hiccups and things that, you know, you, you go to Colgate on Saturday and there's one locker room for the two visiting teams. So, like, it they put a little barrier in the half, but it's, like, it's not ideal. So, like, um, you know, hopefully – the game on on Saturday is is over. Um, you know, play, they, that, at least it's a two o'clock start on Saturday. What so. were they thinking about? Yeah, have a new arena, only that one locker room for the visiting teams. Yeah, I, I think they thought you know, like <laughs> if you could make it you know difficult for the visiting team and not have a lot of space, they didn't really realize that they might have multiple teams there. So it's it's not a great setup. Um, it's a nice building, but yeah, they didn't think about the visiting teams. That won't happen to the uh, Union New Rink, will it? No, it's definitely something that we we had mentioned because you know. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that just a little bit. Um, but let's start with the uh, Cornell game. The Garnet Chargers dropped a six-one decision at Mesa uh, back on February tenth, and the last time Union was at Lina, they lost ten to one. A game that featured six power play goals by the Big Red, five of them coming in a six-goal uh, first period. Uh, Union has lost its last five games at Lina. Why is Lina such a pl- tough place to play? Well, it's a loud, loud atmosphere. The fans are right on top. Yeah, they start early and uh, and you know kind of go throughout the whole night. Um, you know, last year was was definitely a game for us where we you know the wheels sort of fell off and we didn't we didn't handle it well. Um, you know, I I think I mentioned this last year, but I was you know I definitely should have called a timeout early on that one, try to you know stop the bleeding and you know kind of refocus our guys. But I mean completely different group and I think that this group is much more um, you know ready for this task. Well the Cornell fans still need to be educated that Ben Tupper actually graduated from Cornell not a dropout like they were chanting last year. Yeah no they it's, uh, <laughs> I know it's a big one for Tops and I'm sure the boys will be ready for yeah. him. Well Cornell is coming off a tough weekend in the North Country coming away with just three points and they nearly only had one had it not rallied late to uh, tie St. Lawrence last Saturday. Uh, the Big Red blew a lead against Clarkson and lost in overtime uh, the night before. Uh, knowing that you're going to face an angry Cornell team, what do you have to do, do to neutralize that and have your team to get off to a good start? Well, I, I think it's just taking care of the puck for us and playing with confidence. Um, you know, last year or the first time we played them this season, I thought we really um, just kind of 
you know, dipped our toe into the game and, you know, didn't really attack the game. So uh, we need to get after it, press it, press right away. And, and, you know, obviously you want to give your opponent respect, but not, not the amount of respect we gave them last time we played. And then, you know, for us, the goals they scored was from straight from turnovers and, and our ma- mismanagement of the puck. So yeah. that's huge for us. Well, Union, as I said, goes to Colgate on Saturday. Uh, Union beat Colgate 5-3 to three on February 9th at Mesa, thanks to Liam Robertson's hat trick. I- I'm mildly surprised that the Raiders are going to be a top-four team, mainly because of uh, having a new head coach in Mike Harder, who replaced Don Vaughn after uh, Donnie retired at the end of last season. Now that you've seen Colgate under Harder and you know, on video and in person, do you see any differences with him coaching as opposed to Donnie? I think they play a little more free and just the, uh, you know, like the ability to try to make plays. And, um, you know, I think they're playing with a lot of confidence and having a lot of fun. And obviously it starts for them and their goal, what their goaltender. And he's been, you know, um, you know, outstanding for him all season. And that's so, Carter Guylander. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's the, you know, for them, he's the one you got to get to. And, um, you know, the production has been, you know, pretty balanced. Their decor is veteran. So, um, you know, they have a, seniors and juniors basically back there so they're they you know a lot of experience yeah well let's talk about the road to a first round bye for the ecc hockey tournament for union uh the garner chargers are in sixth place two points behind dartmouth and clarkson who are tied for the fourth and final first round bye slot and dartmouth has the tiebreaker on clarkson by virtue of winning the season series uh, union has the tough games this weekend clarkson has to go to quinnipiac on friday and princeton on saturday no easy task and then dartmouth hosts brown and Yale. So it's going to be important for Union to clinch at least home ice for the first round. And even if Union doesn't beat Cornell Friday, it can still clinch home ice for the first round if Princeton and Yale, which are tied for ninth and five points behind Union, uh, don't win in regulation, overtime, or a shootout. So what's the focus on tournament seeding heading into this weekend? I mean, obviously we know it's there and it's going to be decided at the end of the weekend. There really hasn't been a ton of talk about it other than just all of our focus and you know, and with the guys and the team has just been, you know, like getting ready for Cornell. So I, I think that everybody knows that, you know, we need some points this weekend. Ideally, you know, you win both games and give yourself a, if, a, a chance if either team stumbles that, yeah, you get the bye. Or if both teams stumble, you get the bye. But at the same point, you know, it, it's just taking it one game at a time. Yeah, I know the, you know, the players we talked to yesterday, Ben Tupker, uh, uh, Colin Ferguson and Caden uh, Villegas were talking about, you know, they understand what's going on, but they also knew they have to keep the focus on the game, one game at a time, the old cliche. But uh, how good is that? They're just worried about yeah. what's the, the the play on Friday, the game on Friday, and not worried about the standings. Yeah, I, I think that like normally I would I say like we just kind of worry about the next game and not the standings, which is probably a bit of a lie. Like <laughs> you, you always worry about that, but at the same point, like we're just at the point right now that 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 really has been my focus, and um, you know I've been trying to just drive that in with the guys. I'm sure there's players on our team that are looking at it and, you know, breaking down every single scenario, but like at the end of the day, it's not going to do us any good if we don't take care of our, our own business. Well, the big news off the ice uh, came Monday when uh, Union finalized the deal to play in a new arena at Mohawk Harbor. The men's and women's hockey teams, along with the club team, will start play there in the 2025-26 season. I mean, how important is it to finally have this done and now knowing that the programs will have a new home? Yeah, it, it, it's just so important in so many different facets. I mean, when you look at like recruiting, you look at developing your players, you look at just having a you know a home that's maybe a little bit more up to date. And um, obviously, we love where we're at, and you know, going to celebrate it every single night next year while we're there. But um, you know, we're, we're pretty like 
you couldn't be more excited to get to, to the new rank down at Mohawk Harbor. And I think it's just going to be, you know, sort of game changing for us as far as just being able to show it off and, um, you know, have the ability to make it our own. Yeah. With this, yeah, with you having uh, the phasing in of athletic scholarships for the both programs, uh, now that the rink is going to be re- reality, how much does this help in recruiting? I mean, it hasn't yet just because, you, you know, you didn't really know what's going to happen. And we've been selling, you know, um, that there's a chance of it and talking about it, but it, you don't, you don't want to be, you know, I think we're, when you're trying to build a program based on, you know, honesty and trust and, and, and your word meaning something, you don't want to oversell it, but, um, yeah, it's just going to be so great to be able to bring a recruit down, you know, just it's walking distance from campus or just a quick little drive and, and show them the brand new f- facility and, you know, seeing, you know, steel on the ground and just, um, you know, what it could be and, you know, hey, you can you can help us build something here and a new tradition here and, and really kind of take it to that, you know, level. I know there's still some people are complaining, which I, I don't understand because they're not thinking this through. Uh, they would have rather seen the school spend the money refurbishing Mesa or building a, a new facility on campus. I mean, the only place I could see them on campus is the old soccer field, and yeah, refurbishing mess is basically wasting money because um, that place is really, for uh, uh, hockey purposes, is on its last legs. You know, building a facility on campus doesn't uh, solve the other issue, parking. So what do you tell those people that, you know, look, we're getting a new facility. It's not really that far off campus as uh, you know, when I talked to uh, President uh, uh, David Harris on um, Monday, he says it's adjacent, not off campus, but adjacent to campus. So what do you tell those people about, uh, you know, look, we're getting a new facility. It's time. It's you know, the rest of you know, 50 years old. It's it's worn out. It's welcome. Yeah. I, obviously, it, it's change is tough. And, and, you know, you don't want to forget about all the great things that have happened at, at Mesa and just, you know, that experience. I mean, my first game there, I was, I was sold on it. Like, I, I love it. And I don't want to um, you know, I, I don't want to leave, but you know, when you walk around and you look at, you know, just the, the there's, I mean, there's some black mold in the building. You're like, is that, or what? I don't know what it is. It's, <laughs> it's something, it's something growing there. It doesn't look right. And then, you know, things that just, you know, it, you, you, you couldn't get it back to where it needed to be as far as just, unless you, you kind of knock a lot of things down and, and, and sort of rebuild it and, um, you know, where are you going to play then? Like, there's just not the time to get everything, the, the ice quality, um, you know, it, it is on its last leg. And, uh, I mean, there were issues before the start of the third period against Dartmouth. I mean, you know, the referees, uh, waited till some of the, uh, water had finally, um, uh, froze on that ice. And, you know, there's always issues, uh, with the net, uh, down below with the with press box that one end zone, you know, it's easily comes off and, and it just it, these little things that just make it annoying to yeah. you know for for the players for the coaches and yeah you know, it's it, you need something better what what you have right now yeah I, I think it's just in in today's you know college athletic landscape you you have to at some point um, upgrade and, and make changes and um, you know we're gonna do everything in our power to make you know the new arena ours and and make sure that it's you know the tradition is still still there and we're going to you know honor the past players you know down in the locker room with with you know murals and you know different you know different signage but at at the end of the day it just kind of comes to a point where you um, you know you have to spend a ton of money and, and what you would have to do to make it you know ADA accessible and just there there are so many things that would have to go on to make that building um, 
you know, better. And I, and I, I mean, I was at the high school hockey, you know, championship yeah, there. And yeah. like your fan experience, it, it's, you know, t- there's limited concessions, limited bathrooms. It's just, it, it's, there, it, it, there are some challenges. So it's, it's so exciting to be able to go to a spot where the fans are going to be able to enjoy it. Um, you know, you can go have a nice dinner, walk over to the arena, um, make a night of it. So, um, and, and for our students, I mean, the distance they're walking to the campus uh, to get to the arena, is it's really the same distance. Now, I know there is, um, you know, some challenges with, with traffic, but um, I, I know there's going to be a shuttle and just different opportunities to get the students over. Well, we have some questions from our listeners. Um, Anthony Sachs is asking, how much union branding will be reflected in the rink? Uh, earlier rendering showed some. Uh, current rendering exterior shows none. What, if anything, will be done to ensure the rink feels like the union home rink and not just a leased space? Yeah, I think you know the the logo and you know and union is going to be blasted all over this facility. Um, that's kind of you know my understanding on it, and I'm not a hundred percent on that. But um, everything I've seen as far as on the inside is it it'll be clear that this is you know union hockey's home and. Um, you know, where we're going to be. And um, I mean, there's going to be, you know, even for the, the, the Garnet Blades, just the hospitality room and, you know, being able to have, you know, I, I believe there's going to be some suites in the, in, the, in the arena. So I think there's just, there's some amenities and different things that are going to be going into it that are going to make the fan experience so much better. But at the same point, everybody's going to know this is Union Hockey's building. And the press box is going to be on the side instead of the end zone, which I'm happy about <laughs> after 20-some-odd years of watching end zone hockey. It's kind of still kind of tough, even if the video board is still tough to see what's going on at the other end of the ice. But, uh, uh, Anthony, thank you for that question. Robert Dotsky uh, on X commented that it's a sweet deal for the owners as the rink is practically paid for in donations. Uh, since taxpayers' money is building it, I hope ticket prices stay reasonable. Uh, do not want price to uh, price out uh, family. Families, who will set prices, the arena or union? That I, I, be, I believe is is a union thing, but I, I'm not sure on that. I, I can try to find out by next week, but I, I'm not 100% on that. Okay. So. Uh, Jim Calhoun uh, writes, uh, Dartmouth crushed union with their aggressive forecheck. What can union do to counter this? Um, I, I guess I... I don't know that I, I would say I thought we got crushed on their forecheck. I thought, you know, Dartmouth is a for, hard forechecking team. Um, you know, I we gave up 14 shots, and they had a five-on-three for three minutes. So, um, you know, five-on-five, five, I thought we did a pretty good job limiting their chances. And um, But, you know, when, when a team is forechecking really hard, I think the, the, the big keys are is to keep the puck moving. And um, we, we don't like wrapping pucks. Like, we don't want to, you know, put our wing in a tough position where they're you know, dealing with the puck off the wall. Um, so we do try to find the middle or find the wing that's stretching if we can. But, um, you know, it's just keeping the puck moving. And the second touch is really key if, um, you know, if a team is forechecking hard and that's, you're, you know, you go D to D or you hit the middle and they hold on to the puck too long, that's when you can get hemmed in. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, your focus is on union and what's going on in the ECC hockey, but some uh, – an interesting game uh, last Friday uh, between Arizona State and Alaska Fairbanks, a brawl that uh, uh, saw 247 penalty minutes called in the game. Uh, two players, uh, Tyler Ness of Arizona State and um, uh, Alaska Fairbanks, uh, Dawson uh, Brudneski, were both assessed a triple or, or double game, uh, game disqualifications because they came out of the uh, penalty box to, to fight. Both players are done with their seasons. Uh, and you, you said you had some connections to somebody out there. I mean, uh, what what are your thoughts? First of all, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, the game was ended with 11 seconds left 
um, with the, uh, Alaska Fairbanks winning three to one. But just uh, have you ever seen something? Like, I, to me, it just makes that Mayor's Cup brawl look like a just a team. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of you know I know that North Dakota I, I think like maybe Minnesota Wisconsin Wisconsin I think had some brawls you know in the past, um, but that was. It, it, there hasn't been anything like this in a, in a long time. And, um, you know, for me, I obviously spent six years in, in Fairbanks, Alaska as a, a junior hockey coach there. And two of them was with um, Eric Largen, who's the head coach at Alaska Fairbanks as my assistant. So <laughs> I'm pretty, you know, pretty well connected to that. And um, you know, Eric is one of my best friends and um, feel, feel for him because obviously this is a tough, it's not how you, you know, want your program to be, you know, talked about and blasted all over social media. Um, but, yeah, I think they, you know, probably made the right decision in just suspending the players for the rest of the season. It's, it's one thing if guys get heated and it, you know, it, there's a fight that happens on the ice, which you you don't want to happen, but you can at least maybe see how it happens when two guys are in the box and they um, are are talking and, and and make a conscious decision to leave the penalty box to to fight at center ice. I think that's that's extremely dangerous. I mean. Any fight is dangerous, but like taking the helmets off and doing that is—it's where you're getting really, you know, it, something bad could really happen. Yeah, it's a cra- crazy game. I, I happened to see a, a video posted of that uh, situation with the players leaving the penalty box on on X uh, the other day. I was like, oh my goodness, it was just. Uh, it reminded me of the uh, 1970s NHL and the fights, sprawls, and stuff like that was a uh, commonplace. So, uh, Josh, thank you for coming on. Uh, we'll talk after the games Friday and Saturday. Yeah, it should be a good weekend. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, for the uh, th- the readers who uh, or listeners who sent their questions in, thank you very much. You can uh, send questions to me at shot. That's s c h o t t at dailygazette.com. Uh, you can also uh, post your questions at Facebook and um, uh, Threads as well. Uh, and and next, uh, when I post the um, time when I'm taping this podcast with uh, with Josh. So appreciate to all you do, all your listeners out there, and uh, thank you for the questions. I'll have another edition of the Parting Shot podcast on Thursday. I'll also have interviews with uh, Union Men's uh, players Ben Tupper, Caden Vegas, and Paul Ferguson. I'll talk about uh, my thoughts about the, the weekend, the last weekend with the uh, celebration of the 10-year anniversary of the uh, national championship team, and my thoughts on what Union should do to promote the final year of playing hockey at Messer Rink. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good hockey.